This is In-Ear Insights, the Trust Insights Podcast. In this week's In-Ear Insights, we're talking about interpretability and explainability, artificial intelligence, and the way it's being misused. So over on our friends at the uh, Content Marketing World Slack, uh, they brought up this whole Twitter thread from Adorme, which I assume, uh, based on the context, is a uh, lingerie company. And they took some time on their own Twitter feed to point out uh, that they were being discriminated against on TikTok. And the reason for it was because of things that are essentially, uh, you know, certainly not ethical and possibly illegal, depending on whether or not protected classes are involved. Specifically, TikTok circulated internal memos saying these are the kinds of, of content that we want to remove from our platform. They have quality rate, like, rating guidelines. And in those guidelines, they talk about things like uh, abnormal body shape, chubby, has obvious beer belly, obese, too thin, ugly facial looks, people with scars, missing teeth, uh, facial deformities, um, dilapidated housing, interior backgrounds. So it's a very... Uh, you know, some of the stuff is definitely falls in the, in the category of protected classes, either based on race, uh, based on disability, things like that. And the what's happening behind the scenes is it's being built into their algorithm in the same way that Google takes its search quality ratings and uses that to train their AI to say this is a good search result, this is a bad search result. TikTok is using the sa these same quality guidelines to train their AIs to what content needs to come down. And one of the things that Adormi pointed out was that almost all of their content that features someone with darker skin gets taken down. Uh, whereas people with lighter skin does not. Obviously, this is uh, a case where when you're looking at the output of an AI model, there's a very serious problem. So in the content marketing world Slack, uh, Hannah asked, this makes me wonder about the future of AI-based technology. Who is liable when an algorithm is based? Is it the company selling the technology, the engineering team, the brands who buy the AI-based technology? So Katie, in your perspective, particularly as an outsider who doesn't use TikTok and things, and you see the results of an algorithm that has clearly gone off the rails uh, by design, like this is this is contaminated data going in. Who is responsible here? Who's who is responsible? And from your perspective as an executive, as a leader, what do, what are the solutions that you see? Well, let me back up for a second, and let's just focus on that leaked internal memo. Um, now I'm looking at this on Twitter and, you know, Adormi is saying that this is what TikTok has, has put out as a memo. Now, when you look at the screenshot, there is nothing on this to identify that that's what TikTok had actually put out as memo. There's no watermarks, there's no, you know, company brands. And I'm not defending TikTok to say that they didn't say those things. The thing that, you know, that sort of strikes me first is the terminology used, uh, abnormal body shape, chubby, have obvious beer belly. Um, you know, a lot of these things are completely subjective, you know? So when you say, I think this person is ugly, someone else might say, this is the most beautiful person I've ever seen. And so all of these things that they're trying to ban from their, you know, algorithm are completely subjective. Um, you know, it's not a black and white thing to say, you know, we, will not allow, you know, violence or, you know, you know, list a whole bunch of other things. Like, so that's the first problem. Um, I mean, there's so much to unpack here. 
the when you're asking who is at fault, who's accountable, it's whoever wrote this memo and whoever decided, yes, this is a good idea. Um, you know, and so what Adormi is saying is that they've worked with the other major um, social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and that their content has not been a problem before. And so you would imagine that TikTok being one of those, they're still newer, you know, in terms of being a social media platform, trying to gain all of those followers and sort of take, take on the market, that they would start playing the same game um, in terms of, okay, what is Facebook doing? What is Twitter doing? Now, granted, to say, what is Facebook doing? Let's follow that model is a whole other dumpster fire to unpack. But in terms of this uh, particular context, it's what, you know, what are the other major social networks doing that are right and are wrong that we can learn from it? And I don't see the other major social networks using their algorithms to discriminate in the same way. And that's that's really the crux of it. So, you know, I don't use TikTok. I don't use a lot of social media. That doesn't change the fact that whoever came up with this model, whoever came up with this algorithm, it's blatantly wrong. Now, if TikTok is going to come out and say, no, this is who we are. This is who this is what we stand for. We don't want these things on our platform. Great. Go ahead and say that publicly. And then people can make a decision whether or not they want to use the platform. But if they're trying to pretend that it's the algorithm's fault and they never, you know, they're like, oh, no, we just sort of made suggestions. It goes back to, Chris, what you want to talk about is people are at the core of developing these algorithms. So therefore, it's not the algorithm's fault. That's like saying, like, my soup came out too salty. It's the soup's fault. Well, who put the salt in the soup in the first place? It was you, dummy. <laughs> no, that's absolutely right. And, and what we're hitting on here is, uh, at the end of the day, artificial intelligence is nothing more than software, right? It's no different than your word processor. It's no different than your spreadsheet. Uh, it is not the spreadsheet's fault when the math comes out wrong, right? It's it's what the user put into the spreadsheet that that makes it come out wrong. And so... The, the question of liability, I think, is an important one because, yeah, if, this, if these things are true, uh, and they are alleged because this has not been a court case, a court finding yet, um, then you have, you have really uh, serious problems. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like a car, right? If, if somebody goes out and gets into an accident in the car, right? It's not the car manufacturer's fault unless they clearly have a manufacturing defect of some kind but if mm -hmm. if you get drunk and go out and crash your car and uh, it's your fault as the operator so in the case of liability it's not necessarily the maker of the algorithm if it's a third-party piece of software it's the user and so in this case it would be tiktok and it's specifically around what training data they fed it because what these quality rating guidelines are is they're developing a training library these are the things that we want to see more of on our platform and this gets to the heart of the debate between uh, interpretability and explainability. What uh, Adormia here is, is doing is, is pointing out an explainability problem. They see the output of the algorithm. They say, this is what we see, and this is, you know, it's happening here, it's not happening there, and there's a very clear difference uh, between the two. But what nobody has except TikTok and would need to come out in a, in a court of law 
is the interpretability. The okay, open up the software, open up the model, open up the training data, and show us, prove to us that the model is not discriminating. That these the, that you know these allegations are, are false. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a situation where I think not enough companies are giving thought as to how they're using their technology and particularly how they're using their data uh, and whether it has intentional biases uh, as, as shown here or has accidental ones. The other uh, example for TikTok is um, there's a singer named Lizzo. Um, she's very popular right now. She plays the flute. And she happens to be a black woman who's on the heavier side, but she's someone who embraces it. And she's, you know, come under a lot of criticism of, well, no, you can't possibly be in good shape in order to do these performances and concerts. You have to lose weight. And she's the first person to say, watch me. So she'll get on a treadmill, run and sing an entire set of songs just to demonstrate. (laughs) And it's, it's impressive to see, by the way. Um, but she's also someone who's criticized TikTok because TikTok continues to remove her content of her in a bathing suit, but yet they keep other people in bathing suits up. And so there's definitely, it's not just a dormy, it's other people on the platform experiencing the same kind of discrimination. And so, you know, you're right. I don't think that these companies are thinking sort of that long-term you know, what do we do with this technology? What do we want it to do? I think that there's a lot of, let me rush to be the first out of the gate in the market. Let me be the new shiny thing that people sign up for. Cause what's the next thing? What clubhouse now? Like I know that it's audio, but there's going to be some, you know, algorithms and biases probably built within there too, because it's just shoved right out the door. People are like, I want to be the next big thing. I want to be the shiny thing. I want to be the startup that makes a bazillion dollars without that long-term thinking. Um, And I think that bias in technology is still something that's very not well understood because there is an assumption that the algorithm knows what the heck it's doing. It doesn't. It knows what you want it to do. And as customers, we don't get access to the interpretability side. We don't get to do code inspection unless, I guess, maybe for a select few vendors, if you're you know, a big enough spender on the platform, you could request that as part of your compliance. Uh, but for, for those of us who are the average folks, we don't get that. Well, and if TikTok said to me, do you want to inspect my code? I'd probably go, sure, I don't know what I'm looking for. And that's part of the challenge as well. So even if these companies said, you can go ahead and inspect my code, most people wouldn't even know where to start with that. Right. So what's a, what should a marketer be paying attention to then? If, if there are platforms where you have allegations of, in this case, intentional bias, um, and then there are obviously platforms where the machines themselves are uh, making interesting and or questionable decisions like Facebook, which has gotten so big that uh, there are no single team of engineers that knows entirely what the whole algorithm is doing. Same is true at Google. What's a marketer yeah. do to do to reduce their liability um, to avoid funding things that might be harmful to their customers? What should, what should people be thinking about in terms of their responses? Oh, well, I think that 
definitely do your homework. So if let's say, for example, you know, we run paid social ads for our clients and they say, I want to run ads on TikTok. I want to run ads on Snapchat and Facebook and all the other major players. It is our responsibility as the person representing that client first to do our homework and find out, you know, if these articles of, you know, people complaining against the um, software exist, you know, have people reported, yes, this is a biased platform. It's taking things down, you know, randomly because of the way that it's built. And then also, you know, it's our responsibility to check um, and see if any of those, you know, developer notes exist or any sort of version of those in a way that we can understand how the platform is built. Just sort of doing our homework in, in terms of what that platform not stands for because it's a social media platform. It's social media, um, but really sort of like if we can get sort of any more insider information in terms of what it does, but also, um, you know, what kinds of audiences are on those platforms? So am I reaching the right kind of audience? And so, you know, um, a really terrible example is let's say a client came to us and said, you know, I want to reach an audience I don't normally reach. I want to advertise on Parler we would have to start to question, okay, why do you want to reach that audience? What about that audience do you think makes them a good fit? And they might be a good fit for their product. Who knows? But it's really on us to sort of do that due diligence to understand, is this where you really, really, really want to be? Because now you're going to start spending money. Is there, and this is now an ethics question, is there room in uh, the marketer's, toolkit to go onto this on these account uh, platforms set up dummy accounts you know uh, which is misrepresentation and post content to experiment to test and see like hey i'm going to put up uh you know uh, copies of of pictures of from you know somebody's account uh, of different people different shape sizes languages and stuff and see what gets taken down <sighs> that's a tough question um I mean, like you're going into it ready for a fight, like you're assuming the worst. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I do think that, you know, as a marketer, you should be having legitimate accounts uh, on a lot of these platforms just to understand what they're all about uh, and what the interactions look like, what the engagements look like, what the algorithms tend to do. Um, so you should definitely have those accounts, whether or not they're dummy accounts or real accounts or you know, test accounts, whatever you want to call them. Um, now, if you are, I think, you know, my personal perspective, if you're going in there just for the sake of exploiting an algorithm and then reporting on it publicly, I think that that might start to cross that line of those ethics because instead of just sort of like, you know, what do they call it? Like that kind of like screw you journalism where it's like, I'm going to go in there and get the story you know, and then just forget whatever the company has to say about it, you probably should be reaching out and working with the company to say, hey, you know, I posted up these couple of things, you took them down, can you explain that to me why that happened? And then you can start to do that, you know, investigation explanation. But I think blindsiding the company without having the full story is a little bit problematic, because then you're just contributing to, you know, well, this is my opinion and they took it down and they just randomly took it down. You don't know. They might've taken it down for the wrong reasons, but at least give the company an opportunity to see that this is a problem 
Um, so I don't think it's a good idea to set up a test account or a dummy account and then just start like baiting them into doing the wrong thing. <laughs> okay. I think that's a bad idea. <laughs> we'll take a moment to uh to thank our sponsor in your insights is brought to you by sponsored a self-service podcast marketplace that connects marketers with podcasts to reach technical audiences instead of hiring someone for a sixty thousand dollars a year to manage and scale your podcast channel uh sponsored does all the heavy lifting for you to place sponsorships track performance and manage your budget for every sponsorship booked, sponsored donates a large portion directed to Human IT, a nonprofit organization based in the U.S. that provides low-income individuals and nonprofits with access to technology, the internet, and digital training. Go to sponsored.us/in-ear-insights to receive five hundred dollars off your first podcast sponsorship placement. Again, that's sponsored.us/in-ear-insights, and we thank them for their support of the show. So, for companies that are building their own AI, then uh, we do have access to the interpretability side. We can open up the code and things like that. Do you feel like anybody's got sort of an, an ethics QA process in place, or is it all just kind of assumed that the coders know what they're doing? It's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I would like to believe that there's some sort of an ethics QA process in place, but my guess, my you know, uninformed assumption is that it's left up to the developers and then handed off to the executives and the investors to say, here's what we built. You know, you can ask me questions, but I'm going to answer you in such a way that you don't understand what I'm saying, um, such as the way of developers and engineers. They don't do it on purpose. Sometimes they do. Um, <laughs> but this is something, Chris, that you and I have talked about in terms of um, bias and artificial intelligence and some of the uh, job opportunities that would be coming up because of AI. So the notion of, will AI take my job? Maybe, sort of, but there's other opportunities. And one of those opportunities is that committee to make sure that your algorithm is being built in an ethical way. And so those committees or those groups or QAs, it can't just be a group of your peers. It can't be that homogenous, like, okay, I am a white woman, therefore another white woman should be looking at this algorithm. That's problematic. You need people from different walks of life, different voices, different backgrounds, ethnicities, experiences, skill sets, to be looking at this algorithm, to be pointing out that's a bias, that's a problem, that works, You know, sort of check all the boxes. You also need to, before you even build the thing, figure out what you want it to do. And if you can sort of write out you know, we want a bias against this thing. We don't want a bias against this thing. Like be be clear and open upfront with what you want this thing to do. And don't just say, I want an algorithm that shows, you know, fun puppy and kitty content. Well, it's gonna probably grow bigger than that. Or, you know, even sort of at a micro level, are you biasing against, you know, dogs of a certain color? So a real example of that is, um, black dogs tend to not get adopted as often or as frequently because they either look scarier, they're harder to photograph, um, you know, list a whole bunch of things that are silly, but that's a real thing that happens to dogs. So take that and bring that to humans and you can imagine what that's like. It's interesting because in Silicon Valley in particular, uh, with the big tech companies, there is 
a very binary perspective on interpretability versus explainability in AI. Um, you know, you're, you're doing one or the other. Uh, and a lot of the, the big tech companies fight very hard against interpretability because it makes your code much more expensive, uh, both to create and to maintain, because you have to be able to pick to you know stop the machine and pull it apart at any, at any given time. Uh, and that is a, a substantial technical hurdle. But what I hear you saying is an interesting take on it because it's, it's not binary in the sense of you should have an, a, an explainability council of non-technical people to look at the output and go, yeah, that's right or that's not right. And then have a technical group to sit, to look into the code and say, yeah, these are areas where there's likely to be problems. Um, you know, this when this model goes into production, it's likely to have these issues. And in, at least in the case of TikTok here, um, you might even be able to have not interpretability on the code side, but interpretability on the data side to say like, yeah, the data you're putting into the model is flawed. So don't even bother building the model yet because you, what you're putting into the machine is wrong. Yes, that is what I'm saying. Um, because I, I feel like if you're still trying to develop something that's black boxed and secretive and mysterious, you know, that nobody else will ever figure out, you're doing it wrong. There's so many people who now understand how programming languages and development works that someone's going to be able to unravel it and point out these issues that you should have caught up front. And, you know, just because you're being transparent about how the thing is built doesn't necessarily mean that you're vulnerable to someone else stealing the thing. They can try. But there it also sort of brings up like you need what protections are you putting in place to make sure that, you know, you are um, copywriting and trademarking, et cetera, et cetera. But back to the point is that you, if you have an algorithm, if you're building an algorithm, you should be able to explain it in a non-technical way exactly how it works so that people can understand it, buy into it. And you can also get that constructive feedback to say, have you thought about this particular scenario? This might be biased against it. And do all of that work up front. Companies that are building these big algorithms that aren't doing that work, it baffles me because you're going to spend so much money, you know, in your brand reputation, defending yourself, lawsuits, all of these things when you get it wrong. Why not spend a little bit more up front to get it mostly right out of the gate? But then also say, you know what, we're still learning. Help us do better. Uh, yeah, well, it's the same question we ask people. Why didn't you spend money on analytics and measurement up front? <laughs> it's baffling. Well, it's, you know, because the, the planning process for everyone except me is the most boring process. I think it's fantastic. Um, they just want to go ahead and get the thing out the door, you know, plans and organization and timelines and you know discovery be damned yep well to sum up in the development of any kind of software model whether it's done with machine learning or not uh, bias can creep in all along the way from the people you hire the strategy you pursue the technology choices you make the data you put into the machine what the machine comes out with and then ultimately what you do with it and you need to have interpretability, which is understanding the technical you know, bits and, and pieces, and explainability, explaining the real world results 
of what your efforts have created um, mm -hmm. at each of these stages in order to avoid creating situations where you are being lit up in the press like a Christmas tree for creating something that is either accidentally or intentionally biased. And if you work at a company where they're creating intentional biases against protected classes, it is time to update your LinkedIn profile because that is not a company you want to spend any time working at. Uh, in addition to making the world a worse place, at some point, uh, that company will be subject to a very, very large lawsuit and uh, your job security is, is not assured. So if you've got questions about anything we've talked about in today's episode, head on over to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers. We can chat with over 1,500 other fellow marketers about uh, everything from basic questions like, hey, how do I figure out what's what to do on Instagram to the most complex questions like dissecting neural models. Um, and if you're wherever it is you're watching or listening to this, if you head on over to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast, uh, you can find out how to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode. Thanks for watching and listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Want help solving your company's data analytics and digital marketing problems? Visit trustinsights.ai today and let us know how we can help you.